This is Comics Therapy, episode 73. No reviews, just analysis. That's Andrea Schlockling, and I'm her co-host, Aaron Myers. Up this week, two comics from February 14th, 2015, Lady Killer number two, and Velvet number nine, and maybe something else a little different. In between segments, listen to another second opinion from a listener. And just as a reminder, we never do reviews, but we do talk a lot, so there may be spoilers ahead. What What's the date again? Um, February 4th? Yeah, what did you say? February 4th? No, you said February 14th. Oh, okay. Well, you can listen to this on the 4th. You can listen to this on the 14th. You can listen to this on the 40th. But the books themselves came out on the 4th. Okay, so they didn't come out in the future. Nope. Or the past. They did, in fact, come out on Wednesday. Today is Saturday. Whoa, let's not pull back the curtain too much. Welcome to Comics Therapy. Neither Aaron nor I are licensed therapists, so don't take anything we say seriously. This week's theme is Girls Behaving Badly. We're looking at two female characters doing traditionally male jobs, hired killer and secret agent, and discussing the trials and tribulations of being a member of the softer sex in that hard, hard world. Along the way, I have no doubt that we'll touch on classic gender roles in the home and office and our perceptions of those expectations today. And I might as well throw in a warning now that it's likely that Marvel's Agent Carter will be making an appearance in both of these conversations since it not only fits thematically, but it's also another stunning example of mid-century misogyny. Aaron, I hope that you are up for this today because we are talking about women who can kick your ass and look great doing it. And like them, I am taking no prisoners. I like how contract killer and secret agent are traditional male roles. I mean that those types of characters are traditionally portrayed by men. Not that men traditionally flock to those career paths. Oh, okay. Because like on my aptitude test, it was either, you know, computer technician or hired assassin. Well, I think that we can all agree that you picked the appropriate path. Or did I? Hi, everyone. This is Mike Garvey calling in from Brisbane, Australia with my Comics Therapy Second Opinion. I think it was about maybe five or six when I first started reading comics. Uh, My mum was keen for me to start reading pretty much anything and become a good reader. And my dad was a big kid himself. He was a fan of Phantom and Star Trek. So he was a big influence (laughs) in my youth with geeky stuff. I grew up in the country of Papua New Guinea, a small country to the north of Australia, and we moved between several small towns, so we were kind of dependent on whatever was available in terms of kid-friendly entertainment. So I was given things like the Archies and and Richie Rich, uh, Casper the Friendly Ghost and and Disney comics to read, and I remember those being the first books uh, I started with. When I got a little bit older, I started being interested in in things like Spider-Man and and Batman and your typical superhero books. And then the love affair with comics was pretty much cemented when I came across All-Star Squadron number 47, which was an origin story for Dr. Fate. So I I think that was the one that hooked me in for good. That was the one where I said, yeah, I'm going to be reading comics for a long time. Each episode in between comic segments, you'll hear one listener answering a series of questions, sharing his or her favorite comics, creators, and more. We call it a second opinion. If you'd like to play along at home, you can leave your own response for us to use on a future show. The prompts are on the website, comicstherapy.com, and you can call, Skype, or email your MP3 to us. 
Remember to read comics responsibly, kids, and always get a second opinion. My personal preference when it comes to actually reading comics is physical format. Uh, digital format is great. It's a wonderful, fantastic alternative. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'd just love to get home on New Comic Book Day with a big stack of comics and flop down on the bed and just start devouring them. Not literally eating, but yeah. Um, my comic store is Comics Etc, who are smack dab in the middle of Brisbane City, and luckily enough, I work one block away from them. So every Thursday morning, uh, which is New Comic Book Day here, I'm out the front of the store, and you know they eventually let me in, and we have a good bit of a chat, and they give me great service, and yeah, it's a great place to hang out and you know get your comics from. Obviously, check them out if you're in Brisbane and you haven't already. But yeah. Uh, there's nothing greater than being able to get home after a long day and just chill out on the bed with a big stack of comics. It's great. In between shows, you can find me on Twitter at Andrea Shock and Aaron at Aaron Myers. The show account is at Comics Therapy. Aaron, I've been sick, like actual sick, for several days. I feel like I missed a lot, and yet I believe that your week probably also consisted of, let's see, working, reading comics, buying and selling comics. There's nothing new and exciting on that front for you to report back to us about, is there? You know, it's been, it's been a week of ups and downs. Oh, wait. Really? Okay, go ahead. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not something to celebrate when one sells a comic book. You, you made a lot of money, like a fucking pile of money on a comic book. Why is that not something to celebrate? Sure, but I don't have that comic book anymore. (laughs) How works is. (laughs) (laughs) See, when you sell something, you have to send it to that person. (laughs) Yes, you do. In exchange for the money. See, first you get the comic, then you get the money. Are you done? And then you get the women. Uh Uh-huh. Tell us what comic you finally sold this week. Well, I didn't finally sell it. I decided to sell my Walking Dead number one. Yes. And then I did. It's been several weeks since you made that announcement. It has finally now occurred. It is finally sold for a price I was comfortable selling it for. And then you turned around and immediately bought? A Daredevil number one. Oh, for real? Yeah, for reals. And a Daredevil number two. I didn't know that. Like, when you posted that you had turned around and bought a bunch of things, I I didn't know what it was that you bought. I bought three comics so far and possibly a fourth that I have an offer on. Most of the time I'm only ever half listening to you and especially when you talk about your buying and selling comics habit I could not care less. Well it's funny though The The Walking Dead is it's such a culturally iconic comic right now Okay. that there's that there's it's not just owning a expensive comic book it's having that comic book you know, it sounds dumb, but there's sort of like kind of, I don't know, There's, it's nice to get, what am I looking for, you know? It's like kind of cool cred, like people think you're cool because you own something. doesn't, like, people aren't cool if they have like a cool car, but you still get cool, pe- you know, people saying you're cool. Aaron? Cool? Does that make cool? Is that cool? <laughs> um, I don't know how to break it to you. But the fact that you owned and then sold The Walking Dead number one, 
I don't know what circles you're hanging out in, but like the rest of the world also doesn't care. It doesn't make you cool. Oh, I think you're wrong. Okay. Let me let me tell you for an example. Okay. When I decided to sell it, three of the comic book shops I frequent already knew I was I was planning I had put it up for sale, and it was a topic of discussion as as I walked into the place. <laughs> Over these last weeks, there have been a, a lots of inquiries about how the sale was going, what I wanted to get with it, what what I what I plan to buy afterwards, how I felt about selling it. So, what you just said just proves how out of touch you are with with modern geek culture in Eugene, Oregon, among three comic book shops that you frequent. That's that's me locally. Yeah. Now on online. Online, there is even, I mean, I, you can't even keep up with the torrent of, of inquiries, tweets, congratulations, condolences, retweets, Trolling. reposts, loops, trolls, <laughs> faves. Okay. You name it. Awesome. Anything else? So, yeah, it, it's, it's shocking how I'm bored. Um, is it shocking you... how bored I am about you, you selling Walking Dead number one? Yeah, I no longer have that. Okay, so then we don't have to talk about it ever again. Oh, that's where you're wrong. Every week now, it'll be, <laughs> hey, remember remember when I used to own a Walking Dead number one? Uh, hey, I want the guy who to bought it to like, do a, like, a, a bunch of traveling and take it with him everywhere and take a picture <laughs> of him like at Niagara Falls with your Walking Dead number one. <laughs> and sure. the Apple Tower with your Walking Dead number one. Huh. Uh-huh. Yep, yep. No, for real. Yeah, Anything I... else that's useful? Having a Daredevil number one, two, and three is pretty cool. Uh, I suspect that that is... Well, I don't know. You tell me. Is that a temporary purchase because of no, the television no way. show? Or are you going to keep that forever and like sleep with it? N- no, I, that's the reason I wanted to sell The Walking Dead now. is because I wanted to buy them before the price explodes on them and I wouldn't be able to afford them ever. But this is something that you see yourself keeping. I, I, eventually, I'd like to have a full run of Daredevil. Okay. Which Daredevil number one did you buy? What do you mean? Like, like number one, number one. Like, the first ever? Yeah. Okay. I just... I just clarified. That's, that, that's the one that counts. I... Uh, I was just <laughs> asking for clarification because I don't care. I don't care Oh, my at God. All. So... You're so... I don't know. Just disappointing to talk to about comics. You're right. Is it because I'm a girl? No, because there are women who are into collecting comics. I do not make that up. That's that's on you. Aaron, I don't care. I tell you this every week. I don't collect comics anymore. Yeah, it's so, so weird. It's not. I've moved on. The physical thing, the physical artifact of every single thing that I read is no longer necessary. I still... It's like... So you're saying you're like, you've transcended. No. No, I just ran out of space. I had to make choices. I'm I'm out of space, too. I had to make choices. Mm. You chose poorly. I don't live in America to make choices. Fair enough. Anything else? No. um, I was, you know, I was excited to talk to you, but now you're sick and you don't care about comic books. I'm a little bit grumpy. I don't know if you can Yeah. Yeah, you're definitely, you're not fun. Let's just get this over I got with. a whole bunch of sleep, though. My mom would say, oh, she's, 
she talks about sleep intoxication, which <laughs> is not actually a thing, because let's be honest, nobody sleeps too much. That's not possible. But I have slept a lot over the past two days, and so maybe I'm just... The extra energy is bubbling over into being really grumpy. Well, let's get to these comic books because you obviously have an agenda and you want to take it out on me. I do. I do have an agenda. Start us off. Let's start the man bashing now. I'll do the man bashing. You can do the mansplaining. This is, this is how it works. It's peanut butter and chocolate. I have to admit, I hate being asked what my favorite anything is because more often than not, there's so many choices and I'm hopeless at picking stuff but i will say that my current favorite title would have to be alex and ada from image comics and it's by jonathan luna and sarah vaughan and it's the story of a young man and his female robot companion and their relationship that's that's basically it there's other stuff as well about robotics and identity and you know freedom of will and stuff but i'm amazed that I'm this engrossed in a book about this story. It's just bizarre. It's very slow. Not a lot happens until usually the last page, which then makes you go, oh my God, where's the next issue? If you had told me a year ago that I would be this in love with this book, I probably would have laughed at you, but it's such a great read. I'm really sad that it's ending in a few months. I think it's only going to be doing 15 issues all up. I hope that turns out to be wrong, because it's such a wonderful read. If you're not reading Alex and Ada, I highly recommend it. Our first book this week is Lady Killer Number 2, written by Joelle Jones and Jamie S. Rich, with art by Joelle Jones. Colors are by Laura Allred, and lettering is by Crank! Lady Killer is published by Dark Horse Comics. The premise of Lady Killer is pretty straightforward. We have a housewife in mid-century America, solidly in the 50s, aesthetically and functionally, and she is a hired killer as well. So it's the maintenance of both of those roles with, you know, the extra helping of mother-in-law who suspects that, I don't know, probably she's having an affair or something. And she's got two little girls that she has to be a mom to and a clueless husband and blah 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 i mean it's like the whole package of shenanigans and uh sort of watching how she deals with both worlds it's a mini series we're only in the second issue but 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 we all know you like to talk about comics as soon as they start no i want to talk about why this book like why it's working and i want to talk about the questions that it's posing about I don't know, like the role of a of a woman in that position, but also like the role of of a female character in like aesthetically in this kind of book. Like this is a hyper violent book. She kills people in not always the cleanest way possible. I mean, like never. We have not yet seen her make a clean kill. Mm-hmm. And there is something startling, intentionally so, about watching a woman do the kinds of like gross physical violent moves that we almost universally as a culture assume that men are going to take care of hmm so okay yeah no i guess so i think for me 
it's the female assassin is interesting in, in terms of this because they're underestimated. Absolutely. And certainly setting this in a time when women were just like as a culture dismissed and underestimated, like almost as a, like it was such a, a uniform way to look at like half of the population as to be almost not questioned. Second class citizen. Sure. Right. Right. Okay. So, so it's not that, it's not that it's like a man would, you would, you would expect the man to do the gruesome killing. It's that it's almost like being able to operate under the radar because you're underestimated. Yeah. But you're talking about two different things. I, I'm not questioning or celebrating the validity of a female assassin or, you know, a hired killer who happens to be a a housewife as well. I think that that's kind of a charming cover and that's certainly a like lauded part of this premise. I'm I'm talking about the actual like the carrying out of the killing and then the way that it's portrayed. And I guess that goes back to like the overall aesthetic approach to this book that nothing is behind the curtain and the acts themselves are like comically hyper violent and yet like the very first killing that we see is her attacking another woman and it's like it's intense and that is unusual in comics that's unusual in media in general that's fine i will i will accept that i think it's becoming more and more prevalent though in media and comics or whatever you know sure pop culture like for the record this isn't something that i'm like planning a flag on and saying we need to have more equal representation of women doing like really (laughs) gross violent things i want to see the blood underneath their manicured fingernails that's not my point here i'm i'm just noting that it's it's not gritty it's it's sort of uh man it's 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 very intentionally hands-on mm-hmm. uh she's not killing from a distance the the cold-blooded killer archetype is not is not prevalent here there's there's a like women's touch to the way that she's killing <laughs> both of the people that we've seen so far and and the other part that goes along with that is that it's it's kind of messy and it, and it and it doesn't necessarily go smoothly from the very beginning and like she rips her tights and like blood gets on her dress and and that's part of the shtick but but it is it is very like it is a very dirty job that she is doing can i ask you something sure okay as a mother as a woman as someone who has the potential to kill if not has in the past i'm not asking you to admit her (laughs) or deny anything Is there a reasonable characterization, even though obviously it's a, it's hyper realized, you know, it's, there's a fact and everything else, but sort of that, that's that switch flip between lady, lady of the night, you know, secret, secret agent, assassin killer, and then mother cooking, you know, housewife. Can, can those two exist in reality? Or is that purely a literary conceit? Hmm. I see where you're going with this. 
I... Man. I, because I, I think in reality, you would have to be... You would have to be a sociopath. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to be able to do that. <laughs> I guess... Which, in, in which case, in, in, the real, in the real world, you know, it, books are different. You know, you can... You can you can identify and enjoy that the characterization in a different way, but in real life, that person would be a, a terrifying monster. So I was thinking when you when you posed that, I was extrapolating out to like women in a more corporate environment, not actual killers, right? Mm-hmm. Who are sure. like the work life balance and <laughs> the uh-huh. questions that that professional women get about their ability to do so that men don't get but there's not obfuscation in that like if you're a corporate you know headhunter or whatever you know you're a high high powered you know ceo or something like that that's a public that's publicly known sure this this though has the it's it's you know it is not it's not broadcast you're talking about the more like of the psychological balance like for right. Her. Is there a poss- is there a possibility of such a thing existing, or is it something that we use because this isn't necessarily a you know a new concept? It's just a very well done story. So, just to follow through though with what I was saying about work life balance and in a legitimate like realistic corporate environment, there are different aspects of your personality that you tap into depending on the role that you're playing, and and just. Like, stick with me on this for a second. Like, metaphorically, the idea of a go-getter, you know, in in the workplace, not an actual okay. killer. Uh-huh. <laughs> the, the kind of balance and the lies that you tell yourself about how well you are balancing and the lies that you tell others so that they don't catch you with that balancing. Like, she just ran into the girls and she's a little bit late for for dinner and she's volunteering at the hospice and that facade that you create on both sides is is I think incredibly common for anybody who has responsibilities at home and in the workplace so I I would agree I think murder but cold-blooded murder is a, a a different part of the brain that that I think every human has the capacity to you know, to activate in some way, but to do it, uh, to do it, you know, professionally and is, is very different. And psychologically that, that is a a much different brain. Sure. And I, I can't, obviously I can't speak to that personally. And I see what you mean about like, that's, that's not just a division of kind of serious being the boss, like on your game professional and (laughs) then at home with the kids. You can let your hair down. But she, how long has she been doing this? She says something like 15 years. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a So routine. the murder aspect is even more familiar than the, than the home life and. Yeah. You get into everything. a routine and you just, any, any job becomes going through the motions at a certain point. <laughs> sure. I guess so. I mean, even if it's killing people, I guess, you know, you just. Clock in, clock out. Yeah. No, that's that's fine. That's fair. I, I don't actually think that... I don't mean to make it sound like that would be an easy thing to do. Not only mm-hmm. <laughs> because I don't want you to think that I am a sociopath, but I, mm-hmm. I understand mm-hmm. what your point is about 
how readily we accept it in fiction because it's a it's an interesting story conceit but how in reality like we expect that that would be we hope that that would be in fact quite difficult to maintain right right but that's out on a limb here Aaron that's probably also because neither of us have any direct experience with oh I don't know being a contract killer say so for myself i think i think long time listeners of the show uh, you know same maybe someone should look into it got it what else do you want to say well so i think that looking at this book in combination with with velvet is really interesting just because of the way that they both interact with their superiors and the level of support slash underestimation that happens with all all of the other colleagues are male that we've seen and are incredibly patronizing at times in lady killer although supportive and like there for her definitely intentionally playing up the kind of tension or potential tension of of the roles of their professional relationship but her her meeting with her boss is like very shitty and mm-hmm. and a, a definite kind of questioning of her priorities and like poking a little bit at that facade that you have to maintain so that you have both your home and your fa- and your your work life like functional and and you know uh, basically calling her out saying like no you're you're making the wrong choices or you're making you're making the family choices, and you have to remember that those are the wrong choices. Do you think that is a, something of the past? Well, yes and no. <laughs> no, no, it's definitely not. It's absolutely statistically uh, and anecdotally not. Mm-hmm. But there's no way that you could make the argument that it's as bad as it was in like mid 20th century America. Oh, I agree. I mean, there's, you know, there's laws in place. It has to be obfuscated a lot more than it it was just exci- socially accepted, you know, in the past. Sure. There's both um, a, a social transition that's taken place, but also a professional one. And yeah, I, there's economic changes too. Right. There, you know, it was not, it was not expected for a woman to have to go to work if their husband had a job because economically it wasn't ne- always necessary Well, and you, as much as it is today. You also, you have post, post-World post War II, you have this kind of national facade of like, let's pretend everything's fine. <laughs> sure, the women right. are going to come back home where they belong and our boys are going to come back from overseas where they belong and everything's going to be just fine. And right. so it right. takes a decade and a half almost two decades before <laughs> you really get like the numbers and the mm-hmm. and the volume of people saying wait a second this isn't working for me <laughs> well it, it yeah i mean now we're getting into a bigger discussion because really it was because of economic boom too that that was you could hold these sort of uh gender and and race and everything else all, all these inequalities in place because it was post, post worldwide crisis, right, right. and the U.S. had never been more prosperous right. 
until it started to decline and then people you know have the opportunity then to make it more of a national issue of hey you know what not everyone's doing great right Um, i do i definitely think that the that that disparity is what makes lady killer work and that Mm -hmm. it would be much she would be much less comically sympathetic if it was set now I mean, it would just be like, oh, this is a soccer mom who's also a killer. And, like, that's a fun story. But this kind of takes that and pushes it as a way to, like, reflect back and examine why it works and why it was harder for her. And, 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 you know, I, I just, I, I think that's a, a strong, it's a strong choice because it forces us to think about all of, all of those bigger issues. Can I um, ask you something else that has not been brought up? Mm, Yes. She's super hot. There's an air (laughs) of sexuality to it. Yeah. Like if she was, if she was a, you know, an average looking housewife who could still have the same skills, this is a different story, right? This whole sort of lady assassin thing usually has the conceit of being, her being really, really attractive. Yes, absolutely. And she's, banging and drawn so so stunningly right wouldn't it be kind of an interesting story to see that and like you know she's like five four hundred and sixty pounds you know <laughs> okay fine you know but she just had two kids and whatever you know but she could still wrap her legs around your neck and crack it right. then that's a that's a way different kind of take and a way different read well she's got the stepford wife Thing happening, which is like an aesthetic choice that carries throughout the entire book. Mm-hmm. So I think that in that regard, if you're gonna if you're gonna tell this story through the lens of like this time period, you have to go all out. Because you have to because it is reflecting that entire right. motif. Absolutely right. Because we're talking about we're not talking about sort of um, nuanced. We're talking about no. generalities. Absolutely. We're absolutely, like, firmly embracing all of those, like, blonde hair, blue-eyed twins playing, like, Indians in the kitchen. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. Yes. I think that, that, like, soccer mom who's had two kids, and she's, like, attractive, but she's pushing 40, and she's in shape, but, like, You're not going to expect her. That's a different kind of dismissal. That's a different kind of underestimation, which is a totally different story. Right. In reality, too, she probably wouldn't be a very good assassin because she hasn't been getting very much sleep because (laughs) she has two little kids and one of them's sick. And, you know. But she she didn't have to go home and make um, pork chops because she totally just ordered ahead and, like, it was waiting at the door because she's not Mm -hmm. an idiot. Right. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm glad we both agree we like these traditional male and female roles. Yeah, yeah. And we long for the good old days. Yep, that's it. Mostly the fashion. Holy shit, her dresses are amazing. Yeah, this conversation's going way different than I thought. I, I thought we'd disagree on things, but it sounds like we're pretty much in sync. Yeah, yep, you're right, Aaron. I can't wait to edit this. <laughs> well, let's talk about our second book then, huh? Of course, I have to pick a second favorite title. Uh, and this one is also from Image Comics, and it's called Shutter. It's by Joe Keating and Leela Del Duca. And it's hard to explain, but it's about Kate Christopher uh, 
dealing with her family in a really bizarre world. It's kind of like Earth, but but a slightly more insane, crazy, fantastical version of Earth where anything and everything can happen. Uh, there's just batshit craziness in this book, and it's so filled with adventure and you know family-related angst and when I read it, I get the feeling that it could literally go anywhere, and I hope it does, and I hope it never loses its sense of the fantastical and its sense of whimsy and adventure, because it's it's got it all there. It's, you know, you had a dude riding around on a triceratops, for God's sake. That's awesome. So, yeah, I, I don't want to spoil the story, because it's a little bit twisty and turny, and I just highly recommend that you pick that up as well. Lots of fun. The art is great. Leela does a fantastic freaking job. Uh, yeah, Shudder is great stuff. Our second book this week is Velvet Number 9, written by Ed Brubaker, with art by Steve Epting, and colors by Elizabeth Brettweiser. Chris Eliopoulos did the lettering. Velvet is published by Image Comics. Okay, so... Yeah, I didn't write recaps. Like, I'm. Who am I apologizing to? Is it you? Is it our listeners? I, nobody cares. No, no one expect. Look, no one expects. Yeah, we all have the same expectations from you. We understand it's not easy writing recaps. <laughs> you don't. You don't have to worry about it. And any men out there who want to find out what this is about and haven't read it yet, they can Google it. We we all know how to use the computer. Actually, ahead, why aren't you reading it? That's true. <laughs> Go ahead. You were going to say something? No, this is, this is another book that is not set in the current day. And mm. it's later. It's later than Lady Killer. Um, although we get tastes of uh, during the war and, you know, the late 50s. But we're, we are in the late 60s primarily, like in 68. Is that correct? Sounds about I right. I think so. And it's spectacular, and it's one of my favorite books, and it's going to be really hard for me not to spin out of control into to a superlative. But as a contrast to Lady Killer, we have somebody who doesn't maintain personal and professional juxtaposition. She has two professional lives. And mm-hmm. this is an exploration of... The um, underestimation that happens between those two professional lives. I mean, this is the gritty version of the Agent Carter show. I guess so. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's the it's the non, like, kind of, you know, uh, family-friendly Marvel Universe Agent Carter. Sure. Because especially in the show, she's, she's the glorified secretary. Absolutely. Or she's treated she's treated as such. She's treated but as such. Obviously that the advantage to that being is she's underestimated continuously, which gives her the opportunity to to work outside of the you know, the uh, traditional lines and regulations. Yeah, I'm not buying that anymore. I'm definitely super over it in Agent Carter. And I feel like if maybe this episode like, some of the events of the episode that's happened this past week, like, carry some weight forward now that people have seen her in the field and that, like, some of her other work has been uncovered. Can we please finally move past, like, what is essentially a secret identity for her? Mm-hmm. And unlike Velvet, 
Peggy Carter should never be like under a, a secret identity unless she's working. Mm-hmm. It it's it is a tired trope to me that has taken her kind of out of her element. When she has the opportunity to kick fucking ass, that show is glorious. But I feel like it gets a little bit slow every week in and out being reminded about the like lack of seriousness that they're taking her contributions and it like it honestly it becomes uh like almost difficult to believe that it's that she isn't saying anything about it like what happened to the woman who was willing to stand up for like everything and and speak her mind mm-hmm. uh it's kind of bullshit but it's a mini series it's moving forward at a different pace than other similar stories and i do feel like it's it's improving now that like people have seen what she's capable of it just took us fucking forever to get there whereas velvet was doing that i don't want to say she was doing it strategically but but i I think that the circumstances of her transition out of the field was very very different um i agree but just to quickly go back to agent carter too i look at her as like the she's the rosa parks of female secret agents who paved the way for people like black widow okay okay right Uh, because it's not like black widow is ever underestimated or treated like like that in the current you know marvel universe okay sure like she is one of the you know the uh, deadliest agents that the uh, shield or whoever is you know hydra whoever she's working against her for, has. Yeah, I think that the whole, like, subcategory of female secret agents, though, is, like, it, it, it is its own, like, subgenre, especially of, of female, like, Russian operatives. Okay, but what about then, like, Maria Hill or Sharon Carter? I think are two other examples that came later. Yeah, but we see know, them the less out of the field. I'm, I'm sorry, we see them less in the field as, as sort of running things back in the office. Okay, sure, but they're not, but they are. I, I'm never. I don't see examples of them being um, treated, you know, without the same level of respect as someone else. Uh, sure. Okay, good. Le- We're in sync again. Less. Yeah. Okay. I agree. Without <laughs> without doing without doing a lengthy study, I agree. Except I'll I'll just say that most of the stuff with their characters in those roles of authority is much much more recent. Yes, that, but that's what I'm talking about. It's the modern day uh, female agent versus the period. In which Agent Carter. Said. But but it's also I, I mean it's a product of that period. Mm-hmm. So, in an incredibly convoluted way, I guess I'm just making the point that like both Lady Killer and Velvet, obviously being written contemporary, but set in the past. Correct. Yes. But and some of the diff- hijinks of like Sharon Carter, or Maria Hill are both taking place now and being written now. And so you just mm-hmm. have to consider them like with that lens, that's all. I agree. So, okay, to get back to Velvet. <laughs> right. 
what so what ang- what do you want to yell at me about with with velvet? We haven't been yelling. You're right. There's been like shockingly no yelling. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what there is to disagree about. It's I think they're these are really well written. Both of these characters are well written. I the difference between like Velvet and Lady Killer, and maybe this is something you could weigh into, is the sexuality aspect of it. Like I find, I find if in Lady Killer she is trying to live a domestic life, and with that comes the morality and and the expectation of uh, faithfulness to her husband. Okay. Where like Velvet is unattached, and that was part, that's part of her. You know, she is. She she slept with who she wanted to, you know, because she wanted to, or for strategic reasons or whatever else. You know, there's no, there's no second, there's no second subterfuge aspect to her life, you know, second life that she's living. But she does reference the fact that she could have had that life, or she could have had, like, a modified version of that life, but it was stolen mm-hmm. from her. Mm-hmm. I, no, you, absolutely. So I, I think that, like, if... Even even marrying another agent, you don't think that the expectations or a new agreed upon definition of faithfulness would need to be at least discussed as part of embarking on like a permanent relationship with a fellow secret agent? Sure. So, yeah, she doesn't have to deal with that now, but that's because that didn't get to be her life. Okay, so here's so this is what I'm asking because my personal feeling would, I mean, maybe I, and I think I would actually look at it, even though it is it's not fair. I would look at it differently with a male secret agent sleeping with a, a woman that he's you know that's an operative or a mark or whatever else. Oh, versus ooh, ooh, ooh. don't don't just drop that and leave it. Why? Why? Why will, do you? I'm not. You're not letting me finish. Oh, okay. Whoa. <laughs> versus a female killer using her, her sexuality to you know to complete the job and then coming back home to her husband in a in a faithful manner. Is that is that fair? No. In, do in I that feel scenario, that way? Yes. The, do the spouses know? No. Wow. Wow, that's wow. I can't I can't admit to you my gender bias in in a safe space. <laughs> yeah, yeah you can. I'm I'm having difficulty reconciling it though. I think it I think it speaks and I understand I mean I understand this logically that there's no difference. But, um, I don't know if it's generationally or if it's something, a, you know, it's not. Is it, not do you feel that way bigotry, if it's not tied to professional for? actions? No, no. <laughs> wow. No. No, but you know what? I think I probably, I, as a immediate reaction, I would definitely look down on a woman more than I would a man oh, for God, cheating for cheating on their spouse. You're killing me here. I don't what? I don't even have the words to yell at you because I am so flabbergasted. I've lost the ability to form like a coherent argument against everything that you're saying. Because I just not an can't argument. Even I'm not saying it's it. right. 
No, hang on. I'm not saying this right. I'm telling you what my initial reactions viscerally like I I am just like astounded because that is such a clear manifestation of like cultural gender expectations. And you're like, I don't know why that is. Well, <laughs> hi. No, I didn't say I didn't know where where it is. Why it is? I understand that it's a cult. It's a it's gender bias it's and sexual the patriarchy. bias. Bingo. That, that's fine. But <laughs> can I get a little bit of props of recognizing my initial in you know unequal reactions and thoughts and expectations? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, it's so hilarious. It doesn't. It doesn't mean I. I, I know it's not right. And. There's the difference, I think we, I think there are many aspects of our lives where we have to wrestle with something that gets ingrained in us versus the logical understanding that that's wrong. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. You know, I I don't think there's perfect liberalism. I think there is, I think there is intellectual understanding of, you know, of whatever you might have as a visceral reaction and then changing and changing your expectations based upon that understanding. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So that's my, that's um that's my confession in this therapy session. Wow. I cannot absolve you of that particular sin, my son. <laughs> well, no. I think I I think that's wrong then. I think you're I think you're not being fair. Because if I if I say, well, my first reaction is that's not that is worse for her to do than for him to do. And then I say, well, you know what? Logically, there's no difference. I mean, that that's far different than so me just, saying, well, sure. she's a slut, but, you know, <laughs> guys will be guys. will be guys. You're right. You're totally right. So that's all I'm saying. You know, I'm just trying to, I'm putting it out there because my thought process is, and I have, to, I have to recognize things in myself that are not, you know, that are reactionary and not, and not intellectually, or they're just not correct. Right. You know, sometimes your reactions are just not correct. Right. And where does that come from, too? And you're right, the patriarchy, but it's easy to sit behind those walls. Yeah, it's super cushy. People bringing you drinks, fanning That's you, peeling your grapes. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I've, I've never experienced that myself, but it sounds, sounds good. Sounds great. Yeah. I mean, we could all do... do <laughs> Okay with that. All right. So, what else do you want to yell at me about? Uh, I don't. I don't know. Now you you threw off. You know why? I, I don't know, know what to expect <laughs> to have to yell at you again. But see, see, you're so easy. All I have to do is admit to some sort of hellacious thought, Did you and just it call deflates me? your whole. Oh, okay. Here we go. Do you... Look, you're free to do whatever you want. <laughs> I'm just saying cycle. I'm just saying intellectually, you're easy. <laughs> I don't want to yell at you anymore about Velvet because I think that as a story we're close to on like in agreement on what is working and why it's impeccable and blah blah blah. I think Mm -hmm. the other I guess question that I have for you or response is uh, do you think that do you think that the character in Lady Killer is a natural is Velvet a natural evolution from that? I'm looking at it in, and I'm setting you up for, for failure, right? I think the answer is clearly no, and I'm interested in hearing why, because I want you to agree with me. I'm interested in hearing why you think that that's not true. Um, I, 
I don't know if they're a natural evolution because I think they're different stories and they're they're different they're different jobs. Okay. I mean, yeah, historically, I guess that they are because the traditional sort of nuclear family broke down, you know, women in the workplace, whatever that workplace is, uh, you know, equality is slowly kind of coming around. So I guess there is a natural evolution. So you don't have to, to stay at home anymore. You can just be a secret agent. Correct. So then that goes back to like the the desire to have both of those things. Yeah. Do you so? Do you think it's well? That's the biological imperative, right? That the the drive to have children to you know to procreate is is it's the nature versus you know higher function of the brain you know to override that Mm -hmm. and you know even if someone makes the choice not to get married have children settle down the regrets can still be there even though the choice can you know be um you can be content with the choice and still have the regret for the road not taken too Okay. I mean, we all we all want every aspect of everything we want, you know. We'd like to get a pile of money and still keep a Walking Dead number one. Hmm. Doesn't work like that. You got to make a choice. Right. Did did I ever tell did I tell you I had a Walking Dead number one? I think that you vaguely mentioned it. It was graded nine point eight. That's a comic book, right? Yes, it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Back to Velvet. It, it made me. It made me super cool. Yes. Back to back back to Velvet. Oh, okay. Sorry. Is there That's any okay. plan for this to be uh, adapted into film or television? I would say every comic book these days it has a plan to be adapted into no, film No, I mean, like, an, as something that's actually been announced. No. No, but it would it would be a, a good one. Fantastic role. Absolutely. As a woman, let me ask you something. <laughs> you keep prefacing all of your questions with that. And because the because the second part of the question is pertinent to you being a woman. But I hate to break it to you, Aaron, but like everything that I answer is going to be with somewhat influenced by the fact that I'm a woman. Ugh, like I cannot boy, don't I, don't remove I know my it. my ness from the answers of the questions that you're asking. Well, fine. As an Andrea <laughs> Don't make it weird. <laughs> does the fact that these are written by men uh i don't know what my I, I, because they work for you and i always kind of wonder that writing sort of these either very um formulaic not formulaic isn't right but you know sort of fitting what we expectations of a, of a particular trope or a nuanced female character. I would say I would say like Velvet is more nuanced than Lady Killer because of the type of story that they're telling. But they both work for you and they both feel authentic in their feminism. Well, correct? first of all, Lady Killer is written by Joel Jones and Jamie S. Rich. So Okay. So it's it, you can't just say that they're both written by men cuz hey, you are not only dismissing the character, but also the writer. So thanks for playing. I, I'm not. I'm not dismissing. I would. 
I have to admit, with Lady Killer, um, and this is just from previous Jamie S. Rich books, he, not he tends to, but he makes it a point to give, to make sure that if he's working with a female artist, that they get equal writing, uh, you know, billing credit. Mm -hmm. Whereas I don't know if the scripting portion is as equally, the collaboration is, is equal there. Okay. You know, where, but that that's a moot point because it, in terms of comics, you know, the art and the execution of the art is just as important as the words. Right. But but I don't know if the script would, is, I don't know how their their collaboration were works on this fine it can be it can be semantics i i will allow for you the fact that brubaker is writing velvet absolutely and okay then let's just talk about that uh and she happens to be one of the most compelling you know female characters that i've ever read and one of the aspects of her character that is the most appealing is that she's over 40 mm -hmm. and she is competent and confident and yet still capable of showing emotion and making mistakes and having regrets. She is not so competent as to be unbelievable, but don't fuck with her. Mm -hmm. And that complexity and like those layers are so striking in any character, but especially in a in a woman over 40 as like our, as the lens through which we are accessing this story. Mm -hmm. That's just fucking okay. awesome. So it doesn't bother me that the writer is male because I have a really great character and that's really important. It only starts to bother me if the only writers are male and that's a different conversation. Okay. Does it make sense? Yeah. Thank you for answering my question. Are we fighting now or not fighting? I've lost track. I don't think we're fighting. I think we've agreed almost on everything. Holy shit. I especially like that you justified for me my um, initial feelings about male and female sex um, outside of the marriage. <laughs> okay. Did I do or, that? Or or did or did you edit that out? <laughs> I bet I, I bet when people you. listen back to us, you're gonna edit all that that part out where you totally agree with me. No. And you say that you have the same feeling, <laughs> and that you secretly sh slut shame people all the time. Took me way too long to figure out what you were doing there, and uh, <laughs> I hate you for it. <laughs> That's okay, sweetheart. It's you know you've had a rough you had a rough week. Why don't you go Dude. take take a little nap? I watched a lot of movies though. That's good. Yep. I feel well, better. Thanks for asking. I can tell. I'm glad we had this conversation. I enjoy speaking with you. Also, you are, do you, you know are that a human I did not I like take to, the week off to? from the I show? I know. I'm proud of you. Yep. In a non-condescending, gender-equal sort of way, mm -hmm. I am proud that we were able to complete a show together. Right on. I respect you as a human being. <laughs> as an Andrea. As an, as an Andrea. <laughs> as a non-gendered, named human with chromosomes that I are two, possibly <laughs> the same, or maybe different. doesn't matter. Are you ready to be done? I'm so ready to be done. It's okay.
Uh, thanks for listening to another episode of Comics Therapy. Don't forget to subscribe to your books at your local comic shop or digitally. And if you need any information about the show, details, as always, are on the website, comicstherapy.com. We'll see you guys next week. See you next week. For my past series recommendation, I'm actually going to recommend two series. Uh, the first... The first is King's Watch from Dynamite Comics uh, by Jeff Parker and Mark Lamming. Uh, this came out in 2013. It was a five-issue miniseries that teamed up uh, the odd King's, Som- King's Syndicate comic strip heroes, Flash Gordon, uh, The Phantom, and Mandrake the Magician. And it was so much fun. Um, admittedly, there's you know probably a bit of a nostalgia factor there for me with my dad being a fan of these comic strips as well back in the day but it was such a really great fun adventure uh, and it kicked off the, the setting for the next series I want to recommend as well which was uh, the Flash Gordon series uh, also by Jeff Parker and this time art is done by Doc Shaner this was so much fun as well just that sort of old pulp adventure feeling but kind of modernized and gorgeous art and and lots of fun uh again a bit of a nostalgia factor there uh but just some some great adventure um so king's watch only went for five issues uh flash gordon went for eight issues it only wrapped up in the last week or so uh, and it had a christmas issue and an annual as well so only 10 issues to track down uh, i highly recommend both if you like great art uh, lots of adventure and fun and um yeah good stuff final recommendation I'm going to make, which will probably come as no surprise to a lot of people, is anything featuring the Doom Patrol. The Doom Patrol <laughs> are my all-time, hands-down, no doubt about it, favourite superhero team. Uh, I do a podcast about the Doom Patrol. It's called Waiting for Doom. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at WFDPod. And we're on Facebook, and you can find us on Stitcher Radio and iTunes, blah, blah, blah. But I love the Doom Patrol because they're just so bizarre, yet they get the job done when it comes to saving the world. I love the fact that they've been around since the 60s, and there have been different uh, versions and volumes of them, and different takes on them, and it's slightly changed a little bit throughout the years, but... Uh, at the core, you've got 
Robot Man, Negative Man, and Elastigirl, led by the Chief, uh, saving the day with their bizarre powers. And, yeah, I just... I can't explain why I love them, but I just do. Just the fact that they're, you know, like a bickering family that gets along and, and saves the world from the most bizarre villains. And some of them are just ridiculous. But yes, you've got, you know, the kind of almost campy, pulpish original series from the 60s uh, all the way through to the kind of very dark and grim Grant Morrison version of the 80s. Uh, and then up to 2011, we had uh, Keith Given and Matt Clark giving us a version that actually did a great job of tying together all the previous versions of the team into one cohesive read. And I was really upset when that was cancelled, uh, which was just before Flashpoint. Uh, so I don't know whether to blame Flashpoint or DC Editorial or whatever. But if you're looking for something a bit different, uh, superheroes that, and, you know, not quite right, a little bit, you know, odd, uh, of course I'm going to recommend the Doom Patrol, my all-time favourite team. So there you have it. Those are my second opinion offerings. I hope you enjoyed them. Um, remember to read comics responsibly. Uh, if you ever want to have a chat about comics or life in general or whatever, you can pretty much always find me on Twitter, at AvantGarve. Um, and yeah, that's enough about me. Let's get back to Aaron and Andrea. See ya.